Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber. Welcome to the 95th podcast of Christian Financial Perspectives. 95, I keep, these numbers keep getting closer and closer to 100. Uh, That's a lot of hours of listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of good information in there. Well, I hope so. (laughs) Well, today we're going to share the 10 principles of biblical generosity. This is something, you know, Bailey, I was telling you about earlier today. I get a weekly email from the National Christian Foundation, and I've had them on the podcast several times in the past speaking about, you know, unique ways of of giving assets. I mean, there's just so many different ways to give today. It's not just from cash, but, you know, it's through your stocks, it's through land, it's, it's through IRAs, many, many different ways. You know, when we speak of 10 principles of biblical generosity, this was an article I got. It was called that, and I looked at it, and these really came out at me, and I said, you know, this would be a really good podcast mm. to bring to Christian financial perspectives because I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just the title kind of struck me. 10 principles of biblical generosity. You know, what could that be? Hmm. Yeah, I read through some of their points as well, and so much of what they said was just solid gold. I mean, one of their quotes said, we believe biblical generosity is much more than a financial transaction. It's a spiritual practice that has the power to transform every major area of our lives. When our giving is rooted in scripture and responsive to God, we draw closer to his purpose for our life, bearing the image of Christ. Yes, it is. It's so much more, like you say, than just a financial transaction. Mm. It's really what our love relationship is with the Father, with the creator of the universe, the maker, with God. And so we're going we're gonna to get into these 10 principles. I'm telling you, I think you're going to really like these. These are things you may not have heard, but maybe a lot of them you have, because I speak a lot. You're going to hear some scriptures. Some of my favorite ones are in this one too, but it never hurts to hear God's word again. So... We've got these 10 principles. And so, Bailey, start off with the first one. Yeah, so the principle number one is that God is absolutely good. Yes. And this is rooted in one of my favorite scriptures, probably one that you've all heard before, have committed to memory, but it's John 3, 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, our God is a God of unimaginable love and generosity. And he gave his son for us. That was and the ultimate gift right the there. Ultimate gift. Yeah. Um, beyond love and generosity, that gift also demonstrated God's justice and his mercy toward us and his enduring trustworthiness uh, mm-hmm. to provide everything that we need for life and godliness. And I love that this is the first point that they chose to start with because it really just brings everything back to that focal point that the gospel is at the center of everything. It mm-hmm. all comes back to Jesus. It is. It is. And that that is the ultimate gift. I mean, you give your son mm. and God gave his son and came down here amongst us to live on this earth to see what we have to go through. God didn't have to do that, hmm. but he did it because he loved us, because he's a giving God. So the heart of God is giving. He's absolutely hmm. good. 
the second point in here is that God owns everything. And you, you've heard me mention many times here, anyone that's listened to even 10 of my podcasts, they know my favorite scripture is, is Psalms 24.1. It's one of them. It's, it's that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And then the second verse is, is all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Everything. Mm-hmm. Just think of God's hand and he's holding you. He's holding the whole earth and he's holding you in that. And every single thing we have belongs to him. And there was another scripture that they were using in these 10 principles is from Romans 12, 1. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is the true and proper worship. And if God owns it, owns everything, and we love him, then in view of that mercy, offer ourselves to him. And it's not just ourselves, but everything that God has given us. Because our bodies are from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells within us when we're a believer. Mm. And we've received God as our Lord and Savior. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing more exciting than knowing Him. And it's so simple. You could just, wherever you are, even if you're driving, don't close your eyes while you're driving. But <laughs> even if you're driving, you say, Lord, I made a mess of this on my own. I need you. Just give it to God because He's the author of life. He wants to come in and be with you, and His Holy Spirit to guide you. And when you believe God owns it all, He holds the rights to it all. It's all His. And this not just includes our possessions, but our bodies and our minds and our whole life. What's interesting is before I came to Christ, like all of us, we, we become a, we're a slave to sin. But then God comes in and redeems us, and He paid for that sin through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for us. When I think about it, and when I was seeing this, there's a quote in here, it's kind of interesting, that we're doubly owned. God owns us, and then Christ sealed that with his death and resurrection of the cross by giving his blood to cover over our sins. So we're doubly owned. That's so good. Isn't that cool? So good. (laughs) Yeah. Can't tell preacher Bob gets a little excited I love that. Well, principle number three is that God created us to bear his image. In Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know, God designed us to look like him and to reflect Mm -hmm. his goodness in the world. When we get to set our focus on him as the creator and us as the creation, then we get to live our lives as children of God. That's right. And living our lives uh, with an awareness of that, that that I'm God's kid, that he's looking after me, that he cares for my needs. Uh, There's a joy and a freedom that comes with that. That's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, one of the ways that we look like God is by being a generous people. I mean, he's a generous God. You can't outgive God. And so we get to look like him by being a generous people um, and by reflecting his nature of stewardship and generosity. Principle number four is that is how that giving is how it brings a transformation in our lives. When we become a giver, it transforms us mm. because it's hard to be giving and selfish at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
And Christ was not selfish. He gave. God gave. Like Romans 12 is, is a very good scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Okay, giving brings transformation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So we, we're called from the scripture to be transformed and allow God to shape our minds to the mind of Christ and to accept God's view of the world. We need to make our thoughts obedient mm. to God's purposes. And, you know, giving is a supernatural, transformative, step-by-step process of learning and agreeing to trust God in His ways over our selfish ways. There's another scripture here from Timothy 6, 17 through 19. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. So those of us that have been given a lot, that are wealthy in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in that wealth, because that wealth can disappear which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for an enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Mm. So when we're giving, it's like sending a treasure in front of us. Hmm. sending a treasure to heaven. That's so good. That's so good. And to piggyback on that, the next point is, it's just that Jesus is enough. Um, you said yes. to not put our hope. If you've been given a lot in this world, that's wonderful, but to not put your hope in that because that's not going to sustain you. But there is someone who will, and it's Jesus. And he is more than enough. You know, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because we have a good shepherd who cares for our needs, who sees us and knows what we need. We don't need to want for anything. We have everything that we could ever need. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite passages mm -hmm. of scripture. Um, there's so, I mean, you could take every line of that scripture and live by it day by day. Um, but I love that he says that I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And so it's like, not only am I going to want for nothing, but God has prepared a feast and then a place at that feast for you to sit in the presence of your enemies. Like not only does he feed his kids, but he feeds them good food, right? Like he gives them a feast to eat. I love that. Jesus is enough. We don't need anything else. Mm. We've got Christ. Boy, that is so opposite from a secular viewpoint because the secular viewpoint is you need more and more and more and more mm -hmm. and more. But here is saying that Jesus is enough. Principle number six of giving generously is God is our never-ending supply. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 19. This is a scripture I've quoted in some biblical workshops I've done in churches. You may say to yourself, my power and strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Hmm. We read that one more time. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You know, this passage reminds all of us 
that we can never forget while we have life, while we experience any success, even material success, that's because God has allowed us to have that. And God gives us the ability to produce wealth. You know, there's another scripture that goes along this, and it's talking about testing God in generous giving. Hmm. And we've spoken of this before, but it's a well-known scripture. It's there in Malachi, Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And what is God saying? Test me in this. Hmm. It's the only place in scripture it says that. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to even store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Now, maybe we don't have crops today, but he'll prevent those things from happening that would pull away from that. And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. I'm telling you, that's a powerful, powerful scripture that says we can actually test God in our giving. And then I would, another one I want to share, because I love some of these scriptures on sharing, is, I mean, 2 Corinthians 9, in the ninth chapter, 6 through 8, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you've been stingy, it's not saying that, is it? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So remember, God loves a cheerful heart. And realize that this scriptural principle, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Hmm. And I love that. I love that it talks about the cheerful heart that you can give with. And so the next point is giving is a form of worship. Oh. My husband and I are planting a church in San Marcos, and we're really intentional about the words we use um, when we're talking about church. We don't call Sunday gatherings church because the church is a people. It's not a gathering. Yes. Um, And we don't call the music that we play worship because worship is so many other things. It's not just singing. And I love that this talks about generosity being a form of worship. Um, Acts 17.25 says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he gives himself to all mankind, life and breath and everything. You know, the National Christian Foundation said it like this. When we give generously and sacrificially, it's not because God needs anything from hmm. us, but because we want to show our love for him. Giving is an expression of obedience, yes, but also of gratitude, trust and increasing joy. God seeks out and recognizes those who worship him this way. That's powerful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's very powerful when they say that, that it's not because God needs anything. God owns it all and it all belongs to him, but it's, it's showing our love for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen it anywhere written that giving is a form of worship. Have you ever seen it written anywhere like that? I don't that? think so. No, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so either. You know, if anything in all these principles, I think that this might be one of the most important mm-hmm. principles to remember of the 10 principles of, of biblical generosity, that giving is a form of worship. Mm-hmm. Principle number eight, we're just about down. We, I mean, we've already gone through seven of these now. So principle number eight is the motive matters more than the money. You know, think about the widow's offering. 
We've heard this story in Mark 12. I've heard it all my life. Mark 12, 41 through 44. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in just two small coins. I shouldn't say just two. Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave just a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, she gave everything she had hmm. that she's living on. You think about when you hear these billionaires, oh, they gave 1% of that billion, but she gave 100% of her pennies. So that is truly having the right motive of giving. And this, it's always struck me as it's not the amount, but it's the motive. So what's the reason for giving? Is, is, is it to please man? And so you can get your name on a big building and for the world to pat you on the back? Or is it to seek God's heart? You know, Acts 20, 35, 20th chapter, 35th verse says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. So giving, it measures our hearts, which God sees clearly. And Jesus always said there's more blessing than giving than getting. But you only know this if you're experiencing it and doing it yourself. Principle number nine is what we do now is of eternal consequence because tomorrow is not guaranteed. None of us know about tomorrow. Amen. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You know, nothing on earth really lasts, not your money or our things, not even our bodies. And this earth is not the home that we're destined to live in forever. But we do have a home that lasts forever in the kingdom of God. And when we set our eyes on that eternity, mm -hmm. um, we're so freed up here on this earth to be generous with the time and the resources that we have. Amen. And then we come down to the last principle, the 10th principle, biblical generosity. Time is of the essence, not of the future. James 4, 13 through 15 says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go do this or that in that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So though we're promised eternity, really none of us even know if we have another day here on this earth. There is a time for everything, and it's never too late to start. And the Bible communicates a clear sense of urgency when it comes to giving. And we're called to do it wisely during the days that God's given us. First hmm. Timothy 617 and we'll end this on this tell those that are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in all that money money cannot be trusted they should put their trust in god he gives us all we need for our happiness so Amen. there you have it 10 principles of biblical generosity first one god is absolutely good 
Next, God owns everything. Third principle, God created us to bear his image. The fourth, giving brings transformation. The fifth, Jesus is enough. The sixth, God is our never-ending supply. The seventh, giving is a form of worship. The eighth, the motive matters more than the money. Number nine, what we do now is of internal importance. And time is of the essence, not of in the future. Amen. Well, if any of our listeners are looking for Christian financial advisors to help you in all of the unique ways that there are to give, you can give us a call at 830-609-6986 or visit us online at christianfinancialadvisors.com. That's all for now. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ciswealth.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional.